Welcome to The Athlete Diaries. I'm your host, Guy Walker. On this podcast, I take you through the journeys and challenges of professional athletes, from resilience to mental health and life away from sport. We venture out of Australia today for the episode and speak to one of the best female heptathletes in the world, Shari Hawkins. Shari comes from an elite sporting family. Her early childhood was spent playing all different sports before she fell in love with the heptathlon. Her success has been very fast and this is credited to her formidable dedication to training and recovery. What really sings out during this chat is Shari's resilience in her life and in sport. She is a very powerful story by overcoming severe anxiety. Her anxiety used to be so detrimental to her performance and got so bad at one point she wished she ripped her Achilles as she was so tense on competition day. Her attitude to try and understand what were the underlying issues is a credit to her character. Shari speaks about the importance that mindfulness has played in her life and the ability to detach her identity to her sport, which is what a lot of athletes struggle to do. She is a great role model who has an incredibly powerful story of grit, determination and passion to reach her dream of winning an Olympic medal. Shari Hawkins, welcome to The Athlete Diaries. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, we're just going a little bit about your surgery just then. Well, can you can you fill us in with what surgery yep. you've had and how pretty? <laughs> yeah, so I just had um, I just reattached three ligaments in my ankle and then um, on my talus dome I had a defect and so they drilled into it to expose my expose my bone marrow and it kind of covered the defect so it could heal. So a lot of bunch of stuff. I think I have four incisions in my ankle. I'm sure that I haven't seen it because it's under this crazy stint, but um, I'm sure it's just a train wreck down there. But I knew that this was part of the journey. This was part of it. And um, I've embraced it hundred um, percent. And I'm, I'm honestly on like thrilled. I'm sure I haven't had these, I haven't had these ligaments in a hot minute. So I'm excited to be able to, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like to run on my full foot. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Because we've been saying like it, it gives you a little bit more time to prepare for the, for the games as well. So it's almost for not many athletes, it's been a blessing in disguise. But this has almost been a blessing in disguise. It's been postponed, so you can try to get to the games fully fit. Then, absolutely, yeah. Like I mean, the thing is, is I don't think that the question was whether or not I could get to the games because I truly I believed I was in a very good position to go. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean that I was going or wasn't going regardless on any account, but because in America, it is a little bit trickier because we do have to get top three within the Olympic trials. So kind of just oh, depended yeah. on how the Olympic trials goes on the day. You can't really say I'm going or I'm not going because yeah. um, anything can happen. But I was really confident in getting there. But I think like the biggest reason why I decided to go ahead with the surgery was because I think that being able to train as hard as I want to train in order to bring home a medal for my country. Um, yeah. That was always the goal for me. And so because of that, I just really wanted to do what was necessary. I just, I looked at my doctor. I was like, I'm in, I'm all in on this. This is my goal and I'm willing to do what I need to do to get it. And so this is step one, one of the journey. And I'm a hundred percent on board with the healing process, with the recovery process, with the rehab process. And I think because I'm so bought in, it's definitely going to be a blessing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, and for people that haven't had surgery before, it is, you've got to do literally so much rehab every single day and so much um, injury prevention. It, it is actually, it's not just to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's actually quite a lot of a routine to try and make sure that you keep keep it moving and, and do your exercises. How, how much, how stringent is the actual uh, rehab process for you right now and what's the doctor given to you? So because... I, I think I, I would say that I'm being kind of bad. I'm trying so hard to do my best to just like chill out. Yeah. Um, but I have, I do have an assault bike. So I do a lot of like arm, uh, um, arm bike. They are the worst things ever. Yeah. They also bike are the worst. <laughs> they're, they're like my favorite because of how much better they make you. And they're the worst because they just, they're yeah. called the assault bike for a reason. They literally assault you every single time you're on the, <laughs> but so, um, I've been just like, I prop my foot up on, on the, um, on the chair next to me. And then I just try to get my arms, uh, to get a little bit stronger. I don't a hundred percent sure know if I'm supposed to be doing that because even though my arms are the ones working, like my whole body does get kind of sweaty. I think we're supposed to stay away from being sweaty with it. Yeah with the stitches. So I try really hard to just do like short blasts that like can get you a pump on your arms, but aren't like 
doing like an hour workouts where you're just like feeling it and you like you're super sweaty. So trying to find like that balance, it's really hard to balance. Um, yeah. back but yeah. on Monday I do get my cast off. So I'm really excited to, um, well, and not my cast off. I get my cast on and I get my stitches out. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what that next step looks like in terms of my journey, because, um, I'm one of those people who I buy in 100% to my task at hand and my next task at hand is going to be getting as strong as possible without being able to actually run or walk even on my legs. So I'll be going to physical therapy basically every single day and just working with my physical therapist to get all those little muscles to be working the way that they need to work so that when it the cast comes off, I'm not just starting at like I'm not Bambi walking around everywhere. You know what I mean? I can be like, yeah. okay, you know what? I'm really not that far behind. Um, in fact, I'm ahead. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be an awesome process. Have you ever gotten surgery? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Really? A lot. Yeah. What have you done? Uh, three or four shoulders, ankles. Um, yeah, so not much. I, I, I know exactly. They're not much fun, especially um, when you're actually put out for a, for a long time away from your sport. So it's not much fun. But um, I have seen as well how dedicated you are to sort of even at nighttime, you're, you're the absolute epitome of a 24-hour athlete. And a lot of athletes sort of do get to nighttime. They're like sort of clock off. and But you are really 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 dedicated to sort of the injury prevention nutrition everything aren't you yeah i used to be you know i used to be just a clock in clock out athlete because i just thought that that's what everybody did it wasn't it wasn't about me being not dedicated i think it was just about a lot of times we do what we know right yeah. and every single time i mean i've gone through so many coaches i've been i've trained in the uk um i've been I've had coaches from all over the world and every single time I get a new coach, I learn something new and I feel like I've kind of just collected little things in my toolbox and um, learned learned the hard way um, on a lot of things that how important recovery is. And once I started really like putting my effort forward in that, I really started seeing like, you know, the benefit of it, but I wasn't able to do it right after practice because my practices were all day. So I would have to come home, shower, and then I was like, all right, well, if I'm gonna get this recovery and I need to do it now. So I would just do it at home, just right before bed. And I started seeing how much better um, I was getting. And I realized, you know, like if I wanna be my very best, put my best before it at practice every day, I need to make sure that I'm not run down, beat down, tight, um, whatever, whatever have you. And um, and so I just started doing that routine and I started seeing myself improve, started seeing myself feel better. And so I just continued doing it and saw the, the advantages of it. And I, I think that's kind of how it works. You start seeing something at work and you want to do it more and more. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'd be great going back to a bit of your story, um, obviously with a heptathlon. So that's seven events then. Um, and what, what, what different events are included in the, the heptathlon? So the heptathlon is seven different events in over the span of two days. So today one is uh, the 100 meter hurdles. Then we do the high jump, the shot put, and the 200. Um, and then that ends day one. And then we go back and we um, do the we start the day off on day two with the long jump. Then we throw the javelin and then top the day off with the 800 meter. Yeah, well, because that that doesn't seem like much fun to me if you. If you literally over two days, I think a lot of the people that you sound like, they sort of go to the Olympics, they try to get their event off over straight away and then the rest of the time is a bit of a party. So it doesn't seem like you're going to be able to, to ever do that with the uh, with the heptathlon. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing with the heptathlon is it is a really grueling two days, but it's so crazy how much um, your mental focus can make it more grueling or less grueling because... Yeah. I really feel like when I was in charge of my brain and my brain wasn't doing this, which it usually is doing, when I finally figured out how to be in charge of my actual headspace, um, the next day I wasn't as tired. Yep. Um, because when you're in an emotional roller coaster all day, that is so draining. It's, it's emotionally draining, but it's physically draining as well. So I feel like understanding and figuring out that, um, you know, having so much like control over your brain it's really going to save you physically as well yeah definitely especially yeah that that fatigue is such is such a uh 
detrimental thing if you if you're trying to back up two days in a row. What about what about a bit of your story? How is it? How did you end up getting into sort of um, the heptathlon? Because um, you obviously come from a very sporting family and and the youngest of, of five. How did you end up? I saw that you were a track and field athlete for a while, but how did you get into the to the heptathlon? So I mean. To, to be honest, if we start all the way to the beginning, it, it honestly, I think I kind of fell into it just because when I first started track and field, it was because my friends were doing track and field. I did not want to, I did not want to do track, like not at all. Um, I, I was, I was like tr- running, like, why would you guys want to run? Because it started off, they were like, do you want to do cross country? I was like, absolutely not. Like, no, nobody wants to do cross country. Like, no, no, I don't want to do cross country. And I also, I also did volleyball a lot. So I, I was like, mm, a really fun sport of volleyball or the stupidest sport ever, which is just running until you die. And I was like, yeah, no, thank you. And uh, then my friends all did cross country. Nobody did volleyball. And so I would, I would be like, hey, do you guys want to hang out this weekend? And they'd be like, oh, we're going to cross country meet. And they were all just like together and having fun and being friends. And I was so annoyed at that. And so when it came down to track, the track season, I didn't have a, a spring sport in America. We do uh, spring is in like March, April, May. And so I didn't have a spring sport. Um, and so I didn't want to just do nothing and then have my friends be all lovey-dovey in their track world. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And so I did track and um, I just decided to do the long jump um, and the high jump. and loved it absolutely loved it and then um the next year I I just decided to do it again because I loved it so much and um I decided to do the hurdles and the hurdles just came really naturally to me so I continued doing those three events through high school and because the high jump long jump and hurdles are pretty high scoring events and they're also a little bit tricky to learn um I was recruited a lot in for for the heptathlon in college and so that's how I fell into the heptathlon was just, I did all three of those events in high school um, and then uh, went into college and, and did the heptathlon. So I actually didn't start heptathlon until I was already in college. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, it, yeah, it's, a, it's just an amazing way to get into, into the sport. And then you fast forward to, to last year and you made the, the US team and, and you're flying over to Doha and you're having to go through some challenges there. How did, how was that experience of actually representing your country and then going into a championship um, in Doha? It's so crazy because um, they actually left me, accidentally left me off the list when they first started announcing who was going to Worlds. Really? And so everybody around me was like, oh my God, I'm on the list, I'm on the list. And I wasn't on the list. And I was like, oh no, like I took third. Like I really thought I was going to be on the list. So I called, I called the lady and I was just like, Hey, like, I was just wondering, like, I didn't get like a rejection letter, but I didn't get an acceptance letter. Can you tell me like, it's totally fine if I didn't get in, but like, can you tell me one or the other? And she was like, yeah, let me look into that. And I was, I didn't think I was going to get in. I was like, oh no, I'm not going to make the team. I'm not going to make the team. This is so stressful. And I, I kind of had like, um, my heart had just been like, I had cushioned my heart and been like, okay, you're not making it. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go next year. It's fine. And then all of a sudden I got the next morning at 6am, I got this like ding and I looked and it was like, congratulations, you made the team. And I started screaming. (laughs) I was so excited. Oh my goodness. I couldn't wait. Um, and it was so, it was so special. It was such a special feeling. Um, because especially because I thought that I had made it when I took bronze at, at USA's. Um, And so I was like, yes, like I made it. And they were like, not so fast. You didn't, um, you have to be qualified because you didn't um, make the score used to be 6,200 for the standard, but they changed it. So I went 6,230, but because they had changed it, um, that, that score was, didn't count. So I didn't get the A standard. And so they were like, wait, you gotta, you gotta wait until you qualify. And I was like, oh, okay. So they were like, oh, like, I was like, oh, I don't think I qualified. And then they're like, you qualified. So it was really, it was really special. and really wow. Um, so it was really cool. And it was, I was eight weeks away from, and so I made this eight week plan where I mentally, physically, uh, I mentally trained, physically trained. And then I also um, did so much rehab. That's when I was doing three hours of rehab every single night without stopping. I never didn't do this night routine. 
Um, and I, I wrote a journal of every single thing I ate, every single thing I like, I mean, I only drink water, but like every time I drank water, I was measuring how much water I was drinking. I was measuring everything. And I was on the ball, always writing down, always making sure I had mentally trained into oblivion. I was probably mentally training two hours a day, um, whether it was on the track, actually probably way more than that, because there were a lot of mental training sessions we did while we were doing specific drills. Like my coach yeah. would do visualization techniques while we would do drills. And so I was probably mentally training five, five hours a day. Um, include with including some of the nine hour day practices that I was doing. And then I was also, um, and then I was also recovering three hours a day, getting 10 hours of rest, meal prepping, everything. It was, that was 100%. That was when I was a 24 hour athlete, um, during that span. And I don't yeah. think a full 24 hour athlete is sustainable every single day, but yeah. during that time when I was preparing for Doha, that is the state that I was in. Um, could not, you could not take my eye off the ball or my coach's eye off the ball. We were, we were after it. I had never been stronger. I had never been better in all of the events. Everything was coming together perfectly until I want to say, I want to say it was September 26th, but I, it might've been like later than that. It was nine, it was eight days before my actual competition, which was on the third. So it's 26th or 27th. And um, that's when I sprained my ankle. Um, during long jump. And when I did it, I landed. Oh, I heard on my ankle, like just so many cracks and, and breaks. And like, you, I, I thought what I, what I thought happened is I thought my foot had completely turned all the way around because of the way I landed on it. And my first thought was a bad word, very yeah. bad. And, <laughs> I don't um, know what that, that is. <laughs> yeah. No, that was my first thought. And, yeah. um, I, my second thought was, listen, if you can stand up, if your ankle is still attached to your body and you can stand up, you're still going to compete and you're going to yeah. be fine. So I was just like, just try to stand up. And I stood up super easily. I was able to stand up and I was like, I got this like overwhelming calm and my coach heard it. And, and I said, I just sprained my ankle and she, she heard it and she was like, I was like, all right. So I just sprained my ankle and I was like, but look, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it swelled up. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. It was crazy. Yeah. It was swelled up immediately. And yeah. my coach was like, oh, no. And uh, I told her, I was like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And she did not. She didn't, She told me later. She's like, I didn't think we were going to Doha. And I yeah. was like, I'm going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then I became, instead of recovery for my body, it became recovery for my ankle. Ankle was in the air. I was like massaging all of the swelling out of it. I was sticking it in ice. I was just doing all the things that I possibly could to get it to like heal as fast as possible. And I was completely off of it. I couldn't, I couldn't run. I couldn't jump. I couldn't do anything to, more to prepare for. Um, I couldn't even like uh, a lot of times about 10 days before we'll start peaking and we'll yep. do specific drills that will help you peak in specific ways. I couldn't do any peaking. Really? Um, so then we, I had, and then, and then I had to travel for 20 hours on that Doesn't same help. I got really lucky because I did have a seat roll I, I told them about my ankle and they put me in a row to myself oh, that's nice yeah. so I was able to pro and I told them I was like I'm going to world championships <laughs> uh, I just sprained my ankle I have to get on this plane can I please and the, I sprained my ankle two or three maybe I think three days before I actually flew so um I put my ankle up on the window and just like let it drain out. I decided not to tell anybody um, yeah. because I was like, just go, you're gonna be fine. And you know what? I had done so much mental training that it was so much fun. Like, do I wish I had my full capacity? It was, mo I think the thing that mostly hurt me was not the actual ankles, the fact that I wasn't really able to run. I didn't, so I was, I was went from running every single day to running zero times a day for eight days in a row like completely off. So it's like when I actually was running again, I was like puffy and I was like a little, you know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. just wasn't in my same place. So that, that I think hurt me the most, but, um, for the most part, like I had mentally trained so much that I was in a place that I just, it was almost like it didn't even happen. Like in hindsight, like it was almost like it, like nothing even mattered. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that that that's amazing resilience. When you say mental, when you say mental training, a lot of people will, will be sort of asking, what kind of mental training were you able to put yourself in? What what is mental training? What does it look like to you? 
Right. So last February, I had my final anxiety attack. I suffer um, or suffered from severe, when I say severe, like self-harm type of severe um, yep. anxiety when it came to um, performance. And when I say self-harm, I meant like I would actually try to tear my own Achilles before competing so that I didn't have to compete. That's how bad yep. my anxiety it was. Really, 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 really bad. And my last um, anxiety attack was in February at USA Championships indoor. And after I ended up having such a bad panic attack that um, my body tightened up so much that just even running, I just started running and my, I pulled my hamstring because my body mm. was so tight. Yeah. So and, tense. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. So I wasn't able to even finish the, the pentathlon, which I hate. I hate that. And yeah. so I told my parents, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to work on this. So I started doing a lot of like meditation. I started asking questions, questions, questions like, did you ever have anxiety? Shari, why are you having anxiety? Why do you think I'm having anxiety to everybody? People I knew, people I didn't know, people on social media, like all the time. Yeah. And I finally figured out that I was equating a lot of my success in track and field to my worth as a human being. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with because we, att we attest like so much of what we do into who we are. And so we think of, I'm like, I am a track and field athlete. No, no, no. I'm a person and I do track and field. You know what I mean? I used to like, but I, it used to be, I, I'm sorry. I'm a heptathlete. Like that's the truth. Not it, not I'm just a heptathlete. It's I'm sorry. I do the heptathlon. Not I am a heptathlon. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't equal the heptathlon. The heptathlete doesn't equal me. I just love it. And so I do it and I work hard at it because I want to be good at it. And once I started like, making that shift um that was like the biggest thing meant i would say mentally was me just asking those questions and making those uh, having those aha moments um and then i would say that in terms of like mental training a lot of it has to do with like visualization visualization in terms of what do i want visualizing myself doing it all the way to watching film visualizing the for the proper way of doing something an hour before we actually go to practice and then internalizing that and trying to get it to happen in actual practice um, all the way to being at practice. And instead of, instead of getting in a mindset, like you're at practice right now, we're going to get in a mindset. My coach would help me with this. She would get a starting gun and she would fill a starting gun. We would get blocks set up. We would put hurdles next to me. So we didn't just have one row of hurdles and we would imagine that I was at world championships. Yep. And we, she would, she would paint the picture for me before we did the start. You walk out and people start screaming, screaming, screaming. There's lights going off. There's fireworks going off. Like there's all these people, people are yelling. You're, you can feel your heartbeat in your head. You're racing against somebody that is always beating you and you want to beat them. And like, and, and he's like, and now, and then we will do our race. You know, then we will do our, our drills. Then we will do all of that kind of stuff so that I can really get into that mindset. So it's anything from small visualization, which is closing your eyes and imagining that something's happening to all the way to setting something up and putting a feeling into your chest before you do reps. So that when that time comes, it's actually really funny because when we did go to Doha um, on, the, on the first day, um, just during that time when the heptathlon went, it was just wasn't super crowded. There was, there were probably like, there were probably 300 people in there from like, it was like a 20,000 person stadium. So it yep. looked so empty. So when I went out there, I was expecting all of the visualization that I had done in my mind. And it is so funny because I went out there and it was just like an empty room. And I was like, well, this is so anticlimactic. Like I like, I really didn't even feel like those crazy nerves in my, in my heart because I was like expecting all of this like wild craziness. And I was like, there is nobody in this, in the stadium, but at the same time as a heptathlete, we kind of were used to empty stadiums. So it yep. wasn't anything, it wasn't anything too crazy, but it was, it was pretty funny. And now a message from our amazing partner, Mendel. The Athlete Diaries is proudly supported by Mendel, a Melbourne-based non-for-profit apparel label aimed at igniting conversations and raising awareness around men's mental health. All proceeds from sales go directly to a charity of the month. With the discount code AD20, just for our listeners, you can join the Mendel movement today with 20% off at www.mendel.com.au.
Yeah, it, it's it's amazing that you say that because even um, I had I will be having a a guy on. He's a big wave surfer, um, and we were speaking the other day. And, and what he does is he does these crazy events where he. I don't know if you know much about surfing, but he surfed Jaws at night, which is like in Hawaii, one of the biggest waves in the world. He did it at night. He goes to the middle of the ocean and he surfs these massive waves in the middle of the ocean. But what he says is that he actually trains for a tougher event than the actual event in training. So he'll go out and literally he did things like do obstacle courses underwater in the nighttime where there's sharks all around him to prepare for the actual event. So it's amazing how some athletes like him, like yourself, is actually that visualization piece can actually help so much. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And like for myself, I think um, touching on that point you said before with um, identity is that for something for someone like me that I, I was a professional athlete from 17 to 24 and then my career just cut straight away and um, I had to retire at 24, it's almost like you're not known as – my whole life I was known as the uh, the athlete and and the yeah. cricketer footballer but now it's like you're just a part of society and you're not known you're not that anymore and that's what a lot of athletes do struggle with so I think your story is so powerful especially now there's so much anxiety around with even current circumstances with COVID and stuff like that is that for you to actually um to also share your story and share what you've been through can help so many other people so has there been quite a few people especially in these times that um that struggle with anxiety have reached out or are you trying to help people um in that space um yeah i mean definitely there there have been a lot of people who have who have said like during this time it's been like really crazy like people who have lost their jobs people who are, are you know um stuck in tiny tiny apartments yeah. um and even it's really it was really rough because when we were when we were hearing the news when the pandemic was closed we got an a, Team USA, and that's all sports, all athletes um, that were that are training for the Olympics to hop on a call and kind of voice their concerns about the pandemic and everything. And there were a lot of people. It was actually crazy to hear some of their stories. Um, there's somebody who's been away from her husband for two years because she's been training, and she's like, mm-hmm. "I don't think I can do this for another year. Like this was my this was going to be my last year. Like we can't we can't we can't postpone this. Like I cannot do this." And then there were people who were in my situation that was like, I can't train right now and I need to be able to train. Like, I'm like, it's just, this is so crazy. Like, the, like the Olympics can't be this year because it can't be fair, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's so interesting how like different everybody's circumstances, um, how different everybody's sport is and how their trials are. And just, it's, it's so interesting to see all of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With going back to um, the anxiety, I think some people, a lot of a lot of athletes get so nervous before they play. Um, is there something that they can start to do um, that they can start to understand what they're going through and how to almost ease a little bit of them nerves before they play? Is it is it just being curious and trying to learn like you did? Um, so for me personally, I would get so nervous. And I would just, I remember there was like a point where I would just like, I would just like pray and I'd be like, just get this feeling out of me, please. Like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot feel this way anymore. And I just thought I was the most mentally weak person ever because I would look around me and it seemed like everybody else was fine, you know? And I'm over here like breaking down, like what is going on? Like I'm shaking. I can I can hear my heartbeat in my ear. I'm blacking out. Like what is going on? And I think really my biggest thing is there has to be an underlying reason why this is happening. And I found out it was because I was considering myself, like I am a heptathlete, not I am Shari and I do the heptathlon. And for me, that was, that was why I was having my anxiety. And when I really distanced myself from that actively and said, listen, Okay, this is actually a perfect opportunity to share this. So my, yep. I remember my coach, when we were at practice, I, I told him, um, my throws coach, I just said, look, I'm willing to break down all of my, all of my um, technique and start almost from scratch because I want to be able to do it, it this way, the correct way, every single time. Because he was like, I think he was afraid that I was going to get like frustrated so he was like, Hey, just 
just go throw it. And I was like, no, look, I'm okay that everything is, everything is breaking down right now. Like I'm not frustrated. Like we're breaking it down on purpose. I was like, I want to get this so meticulous and like so tiny, everything. It's the exact same time, every single time I throw, because I want, I want the adrenaline that I feel. I want it to take me into doing, throwing far, but I want to be able to do it right. So that when the adrenaline hits, I can just launch the shot put. And I'll tell you why that matters with the question you ask in a second. Um, because, um, I, I used to, so, so yeah, so I did that. So I said, I just want to make sure that the, the competition is the thing that propels me forward where I used to think that the competition was a way for me to prove myself. Like this, this is my chance to prove my worth, to prove myself. But what I realized when I kind of came to fruition with all of this is that competition is the opportunity to showcase what you've been practicing, what you've learned. That's all it is. Definitely. And it's, it's the best way to showcase it because if you can do it while you're under a lot of like stress and nerves, those nerves are actually going to bring you better competition. So in embracing the nerves to help you showcase what you've done, like that, that's a good thing. Now I used to say, this is my chance to show my, to prove myself. And so I used to get anxiety because I was afraid that what if I didn't showcase myself and if it's like, Hey, let's use the nerves to showcase ourselves, And if we don't do super well, it's kind of like, ah, well, that's too bad. Like, I know I can do better than that, but it is what it is, you know? And it's, it's hard to do that. But like, really, when you super internalize that fact, like this isn't, this isn't the time to prove that you're worth something. We already know you're worth something. You're a human being, but this is the perfect time to showcase exactly everything you've been working on and to um, really elevate everything to the nth degree, if so to speak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it, it, it's not even just sport now. Like so many people that are losing their jobs, like so many people would have lost their jobs and it might be like Barry, the property property guy or something. If he's lost his job, then that that's also like his identity. Um, and I think it's such a big piece, isn't it? That self-worth and, and identity. It's that it's not um, Barry, the, the property guy. It's it's He's a human being that is in that line of work. And I've, I think I've seen so many people struggle in this time is because that's they've almost um, attached themselves so much to what they do and they've just forgot about themselves as a human being so yeah. i think yeah like you said you, you, your story is so powerful in that sense and that that video that that video that you have of your road to tokyo is quite incredible as well oh thank um, you so much yeah, yeah. yeah it's really cool and then because it actually it addresses how you're getting there but it actually addresses some of the um the anxiety that you had um and it's it's quite cool and quite really in depth into your journey so far. So, is that so? Is is that what's what's the plans for you now to 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 getting to to Tokyo? Right. So when I the original goal the original goal was to get to Tokyo, um, and now the goal is to bring a medal home from Tokyo. Um, and the the great thing about that is I feel like I actually just realized this today, which is so funny, but. Um, I, I'm a big fan of believing in yourself um, because I, I truly think that if you believe in yourself, you will actually do the things that it takes to make whatever you believe that you can do happen. And this is actually, this is actually perfect little, um, this is actually a perfect like little time uh, to talk about this is a perfect little example. Um, when I first went to uh, professional, when I first went pro in 2016, um, the reason that I went pro in 2016 was because I thought, didn't think that I had made all of my dreams pure reality. I knew that because my anxiety was so bad, there was like, I, I just, there's no way, there's no way that I, um, am, I, I've peaked, like absolutely no way I've peaked. And so um, I was like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And so what I basically did was, um, I was like, I'm going to make a goal. I want to get to the Olympic trials. I just want to go to the, I, all I wanted to go was the trials. Cause you have to, in, in, uh, the U S you have to actually qualify for the trials as well. So I, I just wanted to go to the trials and I worked really hard. I put 200 points onto my score and I went to the trials in one year. And I was like, Oh, 
okay, cool. Well, how about this? I want to make a team like, um, so there's like making the team to go to like world championships and going to the Olympics. And then in the heptathlon, you can also, if you go to like Gold Coast uh, championships, or if you go to um, Thorpe Cup, or if you go to Pan Ams or any Pan American games, that kind of stuff, you can also get Team USA as well. So I just wanted to get Team USA and go to a smaller meet and be able to qualify for that. And the next year, I ended up getting um, into Thorpe Cup and went to Germany and was like, oh, next, next chance. I did it I, very next year. So the next year was an off year. But my next goal was, why don't I try to make an actual world team? So I'm going to try to make – I have a year to train really hard so that I can um, go in 2019 and go to world championships because I was way off. I was like 20th in nation. You had to get top three. So I was like – yeah, that's going to be a stretch, but like, why don't I just try? Why don't I just go for it? And then very next chance I did it. And it's because all of those goals that I made, I actually believed I could do them. Like for real, like I really was like, Oh, I want to do that because I knew I could do it. I didn't tell myself my in 2016, I'm going to go to the Olympics. I said, I hope I go to the Olympics because I was, it was just this like, Oh, like this pipe dream, you know, but I really believed that I could go to the trials. Like I was like, I really, I'm going to try to go. Like I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I think I can go. And I just went and it was just, it, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, it's not about work. It's about just leaving, but it's about both. It's like, yeah. because you can work as hard as you want, but if you don't believe you're going to get to where you need to go, you're not going to work the way that you need to work. Um, and that's, that's honestly what I've learned throughout this entire thing is um, just that, if you really believe that you can do something, you're going to find what you need to be doing in order to make it happen. By the way, I don't even know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, no, it did. It did definitely. I think it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, when the actual games and when it's actually up and about, but I'll be definitely watching out for you. So right. that that's, oh, that's we awesome. Talking, we were talking about Barry, the, the insurance or, the, or the, the real estate person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and in the same in the same context with that, I, I actually I think that's what we were talking about. Yeah. But in the same context with that, like on and off the track, um, if you believe you can do something, yeah, um, just start. Like my first thing would be just like just write down your goal and believe it. And if if you're writing down a goal that's so big that you don't believe it, I wouldn't suggest um, writing down a different goal. I would suggest changing your mind and starting to believe that it's happened. But if you can't wrap, if you just can't wrap your head around that, um, it's better to lower, lower the goal to something you actually believe. If you yeah. can't, change your, it's better to change your mindset, but if you can't change your mindset, the next step is to lower to where you think you can go and then not be okay with settling, yeah. continue to build, continue to build. Cause in the way that I did it, I would have loved to really believe that I was going to go to the Olympics work hard enough to go to the Olympics. Cause I think I probably would have, yeah. that's just my own opinion. Um, but that was when I was working out like three hours a day being like, yeah, like thinking that that was so many hours a day to be working. And it's like literally last year, um, or this year before the pen, when I was training for the actual Olympics, I was training nine hours. And then the next day I would train seven hours. And the next day I had off cause I always take Wednesdays and Sundays off. Yeah. Then Thursday I would train six hours and then Friday I would train like eight. So Jeez. I was putting in some serious, serious hours through this time. Yeah. And, uh, and I was doing the, I was training the way that I actually needed to train in order to go to the Olympics. Um, and so with like the whole process with my surgery, um, I just figured I knew that I had to do exactly what I needed to do in order to get to the Olympics. But I wanted to bring home a medal. And I told yep. my doctor, like, my goal is to bring home a medal. We need to fix this ankle. And, uh, and so this is step one. We fixed the ankle. And I believe we're on the path to working what, in the way that we need to work in order to bring home the medal. Yeah, it's awesome. Because your dedication and, and um, belief in yourself is great. I think it's um, not many people have that work ethic but also belief in their ability as well so that's that's awesome and uh, um fingers crossed that everything 
everything can let, let you get back on the park and just be able to do what you love and, and be able to train and, and feel 100% when you get there. So fingers crossed that happens. Um, right. Something something that I, I really respect with um, you guys in athletics and some other sports in the Olympics as well is I was speaking to a guy in Team GB that went to, um, that was looking to go to the Olympics as well um, next year is that he was talking about there's a lot of, unless you make your money through sponsorships in in social media there's actually not a lot of money in um some olympic sports and some track and field events is that i I really respect how some of these these people don't actually get paid much money but are so dedicated that they literally he was saying that he pretty much lived like um lived like a monk and literally hardly had to spend a cent and would be on eating rice every day sort of thing so how how does it work with um, the way that sort of um, is there any boards or is there how does the money work in athletics and if you don't have a social media following and getting money from sponsors is it hard to continue to to try to dream big? So I've done it both ways. Um, yep. Just because when I went in 2016, I think I had like 600 followers on social media. Yeah. Um, and so I worked as a nanny, um, and I worked. I had two families that I worked for. So um, usually what I would do was I had practice in the morning from eight until um, it just to kind of, it kind of depended on the day, but like eight until 12 or nine until one, because those were the days where I wasn't, I was only working out like three or four hours a day. So it wasn't as time restrictive. Um, and so what I would usually do is I would go home. I would make sure to eat. Maybe I would take a nap if I had time um, before I went and picked up my first, my first girl. And I would go pick her up and she was the best and we would just hang out all day. And then I would, um, as soon as her parents got home um, at like five, I would go home, eat dinner, and then I would head to my second babysitting job. And I would babysit from usually like six to like 9.30, um, six, yeah, probably six to nine, like just a little bit of, of time there. And then I would head home and I would go straight to bed. So um, I didn't have, and, and the thing is, is, I think even now, like, let's say that I wanted to do like all of this recovery stuff. The great thing about kids is they like doing all of that recovery stuff too. So <laughs> if, you a, if you have a foam roller, like yeah. lead a, like I would have definitely done this. I would have led a yoga session uh, while, while with me and Julia and I would have put Julia through yoga and I would have made her roll out and I would have made her do, if I was, I, like I said, back then I wasn't doing all of that, which is probably why I wasn't as successful as I am now. Yeah. Um, and so it is difficult. I mean, it's definitely difficult, but I, I wouldn't say that I was living like a monk because I do, I do have my, uh, my degree in, um, in, in culinary arts, my undergrad is, uh, is in it. And so I do, I do love to cook, but I was, I mean, I made sure that I was eating like as many vegetables as possible, definitely getting like quinoa, brown rice, and making sure that I was eating like really good, like, um, healthy meats and stuff like that, um, every day as well. And that just, to me, that takes just a little bit of planning, a, a lot of planning, a, a little bit, a little bit yeah. of planning and, um, and a little bit of time just to maybe if you have to pre-make your meals or you just have to kind of make it a priority. And so California is super expensive. It's, it's really is expensive. It really? And, yeah. and yes. And when I, when I went to California, um, I didn't ask for any money from my parents because I just wanted to do it by myself. Yeah. And so, um, I got zero dollars for being a track athlete and I made just enough money to pay for my rent with babysitting, pay for my rent and food and gas and stuff like that. So I think if you're willing, this is just like my opinion. If you are willing to give up, not, I wouldn't say not like food, like, because I don't think you need to eat like ramen. I think food and nutrition is actually one of the most important parts yeah, and like definitely. supplementation and stuff like that. It's like, it's one of the most important parts um, of, of anything. Um, if, if we are talking to people who are looking to train professionally and don't have sponsorships and that's who we're looking, what I would suggest to them is reach out to companies that have not that many followers on Instagram and say, look, I'm not saying that I can give you a ton of exposure, but what I can do for you, I, I used to do this all the time when I had 600 followers, I would say, if you let me use your supplements, I'll do a photo shoot for you. Yeah. And, um, so you can get a free model for, and all you have to do is pay for product. Um, or I would get, you know, just a little bit of money for like a little bit of modeling. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're 
beautiful or whatever. Like sometimes they just want pictures of a good athlete running. And if you're a good athlete and you're training professionally, like, Hey, I'm training for the Olympics. Like, um, people are going to be interested at some point. So you can definitely hustle to get specific things. Like you can get like some foam rollers. There's definitely things that you want to invest in, but if you're willing to kind of give up the, I'm not, you're not going to be wearing red bottoms and you're not going to be like shopping all the time. And to be honest, like I still don't do that. Like I still yeah. don't, I don't even remember the last time I bought clothes For, the last time I probably bought clothes was in college, which, which I'm, and I'm like really not kidding. I don't, I just, I'm like not really like a big money spender anyways. And I yeah. think it's because I had to live so frugally, yeah. um, my first like three years and taught you many good lessons, didn't it? Yes, it sure yeah. did. So um, so I've been on both sides and honestly, my, I'm not going to lie to you. My life hasn't changed in terms of lifestyle. Um, in, except for, I don't really need, like, I wouldn't say I need like a roommate anymore. I, I feel like that'd probably be like my only different thing about yeah. it. Um, and so that, that, I mean, and I know that that probably sounds super weird, but I don't think it's, I think if you're fine with your money and you're not a big spender, like that's really all you have to sacrifice. You don't have to, you're not going to have to sacrifice your health and you're not going to have to sacrifice like your sleep or you're not going to have to. Yeah. It, 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 it's something that needs to get spoken about really, isn't it? Because some people that are trying to reach their dreams and if there's not a lot of money in some of the, the boards and, and trusts in these sports is that how do people actually need to know how to actually support themselves to try and live out their dream, don't they? Yeah. So I actually, I went and paid for my master's degree, um, in cash in, uh, in, in Bath cause I didn't want to take out a loan and I had zero, I had zero dollars in my savings account when I decided that I wanted to go to Bath, yeah. but I knew that I wanted to go. And so into, and I still wanted to make that team. So in 2017, I worked really hard, but I worked so hard every single weekend. Yeah. And I, I, and then when the summer was over, I babysat like three different families every day. I grinded so hard and I was able to raise enough money to pay for my, my ability to move across the world. And so, and all, all I did, all I did was babysit. I was yeah. just babysitting. And, um, I didn't have, like, I'm not trying, I'm really trying to tell you, like there was a point where I had $30 in my bank. Yeah. And uh, when I came, I'm not going to lie to you also, when I came home from England, think about this. I came home from England and I still had, I still had a really big following, um, but I didn't really make, I came home and I had $0 in my bank. There was a, there was a point in December of 2018 where I had to pay for rent and I had to pay for my coach's fee, um, but I couldn't afford both. Yep. And, um, I was working with a company that was going to be paying me, um, at, and, but they, their check hadn't cleared yet. And I honestly, th- their check was going to put me at zero in my bank account. So I wouldn't have to overdraft. And I w- it was just like a game of like, am I going to overdraft? Am I not going to overdraft? And that was, that was in 2008. That was literally a year and a half ago. And so it's, it is so possible. Like, and I, it, like, it's not very fun to live like with zero dollars in your bank. And when you do, when you do start to like really like build up um, like your following, which I think like the more successful, the more vocal you are on your platforms, the more people are going to be interested um, the more people that you're going to be able to reach. But it's definitely, I would not say that if you don't have a following on social media, like I please do not like quit because of that, yeah. because there are definitely ways to make it happen. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that that's so powerful. Like that's, that is great because if you're going to go after your dream, make use of it, make use of things like social media, if it can help you try to achieve your dream. That's, that's amazing. Like it's something as well, like touching on another subject is I've seen that it's something that I've started to, to do quite a bit as well is, is journaling. Is that something that you were starting to, when did you start that? Is this something that you've again, been curious about and asked questions and started to do it? Like, how did you get into that and how has that been for you? I think when I first started getting into journaling was the moment that I realized that I was going to, um, when that I made the the team yep. uh, for World Championships. Um, I had eight weeks until the championships, and I just wanted to give myself every possible advantage to do as well as I possibly could. And I just, I had never really gotten into like hardcore strict journaling before. And I was like, you know what? I'll, let me just give this a try. So I really just, I went after it and. Um, my journaling is kind of like all over the place now because, um, whenever I really feel like I need to get myself back to 
go. I go straight to journaling. I start writing down everything that I want to get done. I make yeah. myself a schedule. Um, I'll put it, I'll, I even think that journaling can be like whiteboards and you can write down like your goals on whiteboards and you can see them every day. Um, just, I, I just, there's something really powerful about writing down what you want to do and seeing them all the time. That's it's just something that's like really affirming. It's just like saying it out loud, but because maybe because writing takes so long, it just really like imprints into your brain. Um, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah Cause it, it actually as well is I've, I've actually looked into it quite a bit too, is that it, it's actually proven and scientifically proven in our brains is that if you actually journal things, it actually makes you more have, have more clarity. But then also if you actually journal things that you're actually grateful for, it actually um, releases, um, I think it's endorphins in our brain that um, help us with gratitude and understand that we're more happy with what we have instead of what we don't have. So for sure, I see that. Yeah, like I think it's so important, isn't it? To, even listening to the way you speak is that you your dedication is is incredible and um and you're not living like a rock star or anything like that but you're you're happy and you're content where where you're at and we all are trying to get to that state of of happiness and i think it's just a little road you can just do little things to try to improve that state of mind and like again throughout this period it's, it is really difficult for some people to to try to get into them different um that state of mind of of happiness is it what do you do to try to look after your mental health now? Is it, is it the journaling and what else is there that, that people could possibly look to start doing to try to improve their mental state? I think the um, biggest thing that I've done is to be aware of my mental state as much as, as, much as possible because yeah. I, I, really, I really think that when you're aware of where you're at and you stop being on autopilot, that's when you can start making actual moves. Um, I, I really think that that's the biggest one for me personally is when I know that I'm in, when I know that I'm sad and I don't just feel, I'm not just in the feelings of being sad, but I'm like, Oh, like I feel sad right now. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And I can really say, I can really just start to say why it's like, Oh, I feel happy now. Why? Why do I feel happy? Oh, great. And then I can be like, cool. Like I know that this makes me happy yeah. and um, really like understanding, you know, like I feel stressed. Why do I feel stressed? Um, it really does put a lot of things into perspective and it allows me to be better on and off the track because if I do the same thing on the track as well, um, it helps me improve just like it does with your mental well-being. Um, being like, oh, okay, um, this drill is going really well. Why? And if you're really like internalizing that, it's going to make it better. Um, it makes a lot of sense on the track. Why wouldn't it make sense in, in your own brain on a day-to-day basis in terms of your emotion? Yeah, that, that, that big question of why is asking yourself why, why am I feeling like this, why, why, I think that's so powerful, isn't it? So, um, yeah, like I, I just want to say thank you for thank you for coming on, like it's been amazing. I think um, I've spoken and seen a lot of athletes in my time, but um, your dedication is, is quite incredible and, and the way to, no, I think really it, nice. it's so powerful as well to see someone like you that it actually can happen really, really quickly if you do put your time into it and, and have them them goals to try to achieve your dreams. So for sure, I'm going to be definitely looking um, when Tokyo does come around at, um, at how you're going and um, I just wish you best for, for the future and thank you for coming on and what a powerful thank story. Thank you so much have. for having me. No worries, sorry. I really, I really enjoyed being here. Thank you so much. Thanks to Shari for giving up her time to come on the show. It was also great to get out of Australia and understand how different athletes around the world train physically and mentally. If you have any questions or want to see a specific athlete on the show, get in touch with us at any social media platform or head over to theathletediaries.net and send us an email. For the meantime, guys, have a great week and stay safe.